0: believe this is the last Sunday of, the, of, the, of February, right? Wow, time is really passing on. Amen. But you know what? We've come here today to worship and to give praise and honor to our Lord this morning. And so if you're able and if you're willing to rest upon your feet, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 614, hymn 614. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord and then afterwards we'll have an opening word of prayer. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Him. You so much for this opportunity to come serve you, Lord, and celebrate your mercies upon us, Lord. Continue to be merciful upon us. Uh, if anyone here today is not saved, Lord, let today be the day that uh, we submit to your mercy, Lord, and that you, uh, you fill them with the
1: Holy Spirit, Lord. Uh, thank you for your salvation and thank yeah. you for your man preaching today,
0: Lord, and just bless his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. And as we continue in worshiping our Lord, we would invite you to join us uh, at the cross at the cross hymn 121 we can sing of the mercies of the lord because of what was done at the cross at the cross hymn 121 hymn 121 at the cross cross at the cross where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day, amen, you may be seated at this time. Amen. Isn't the Lord's strength perfect? Hello, is my (laughs) mic on? Isn't the Lord's strength perfect this morning? Amen. We can count on him. He is our helper. We learned that in uh, Psalm 54 this morning that the Lord is our helper. He is our strength. He is our refuge. He is our high and mighty tower. He is our buckler. He is our shield. Amen. At this time, If you're able to rise, we would love for you to join us in singing Hymn 124, Hymn 124. Because his strength is so perfect, we can't help but to kneel at the cross. Amen. Hymn 124, Hymn 124, to kneel at the cross. Here we go. I'll kneel at the cross. Christ will meet you there. Come while he waits for you. Listen to his voice. Listen to his voice with your care and begin life anew anew at the cross Well, good
1: morning, and welcome to Central Park Baptist Church. We're awful glad that you're here today, and you may be seated. Our ushers are going to come right now. If you are a first-time visitor of Central Park Baptist Church, we're awful glad that you're here. And if you did not get a visitor card yet, if you'll slip your hand up right now, our ushers are going to give you a visitor card right now. We're going to ask you to fill that out. And then after the service in the foyer, there's a desk, and behind the desk it says, Welcome, and I'll be at that desk if you'll bring me that visitor card filled out. And I'm going to give you a gift bag. We're going to exchange that gift, card, that gift bag for your visitor card. We're awful glad that you came. We would like information about, of who you are and where you came from, amen, not just your mama, uh, but uh, uh, where you live at, and, and we want to keep track of you because we want to pray for you, and we want to welcome you to our services today at Central Park Baptist Church. Well, I hope you're ready to give a good offering, amen? Uh, we need a good offering because we like to spend money around here, and so. No, we're, uh, we need to uh, uh, always do our best to give what the Lord has given to us, as he's promised us. Every, month, every penny that we actually give in tithes and offerings is really invested in heaven. It's not that you're putting it here, you're actually stuffing it up into a bank account in heaven for the Lord, uh, and that's how people bless you. I heard a, a testimony today about one of our young ladies. I know that uh, they're faithful people who give uh, the best they can, they tithe and they give offerings. Uh, and they were talking about an issue that was happening in their life and how they needed money. And some stranger walked up to them and gave them, a, and they uh, wrapped up in a napkin, uh, $500 cash. And that's what it means when it says in the Bible, yeah, amen, isn't that wonderful? Amen. Uh, that's what it means in the Bible when it says, uh, given it shall be given to you. Right. Yeah.
0: Men, shall give to your bosom.
1: Men shall give unto your bosom. Because that's how God uses people. He uses people to give to us. So we want to be cheerful givers as we give this morning. And we're awful glad that God gives us the privilege to give. He doesn't take it from us. The IRS doesn't trust us. (laughs) Amen. They're going to take it before you have a chance to spend it. Uh, But God says, I'm trusting you with it to invest in eternal things. So let's pray for our offering and our tithes this morning. Father, thank you so much that we could give back to you what you've given to us. Thank you for allowing us to invest in you and in your work in your missionaries in our church and being able to get the gospel message out across the world. I ask now that you bless this offering. May it go farther and meet the needs of Central Park Baptist Church and the work that we do for you. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you have an offering, come and give it right now.
0: this time what we'd like to do is to dismiss our children for junior church so if you're fifth grade and under fifth grade and under you will proceed in this direction where i'm pointing uh, for children's church for junior church fifth grade and under fifth grade and under and the remainder of us if we could rise we'd like to sing one more hymn first and last verses and we ask that you greet each other as we prepare for our special this morning this is going to be at the front of your hymnal hymn number seven (laughs) So it's the seventh page from the front. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. We'll do the first and the last verses. After that, please greet each other, okay? Blessed be the name, hymn number seven. Sing along. All praise to him who reigns
2: something in the air I feel it everywhere the presence of the God of all creation he is our hope and stay for every heart of faith and in his name we pray with expectation all things are possible for those who believe and we believe Just watch and see what God can do. Trust in His promises to you. If there's a mountain that won't move, just watch and see what God can do. What God can do. What if today you find the heavens open wide and with the morning light all doubt is shattered what if today's the day you hear the silence break and And what you dare dare to pray is finally answered all things are possible for those who believe and we believe just watch and see what god can do Trust in his promise, says to you. If there's a mountain that won't move, us watch and see what God can do. What God can do. Oh, let our song arise. Oh, let our voices cry. He's the God of miracles. Oh, let our song arise Oh, let our voices cry He's the God of miracles Oh, let our song arise Oh, let our voices cry He's the God of miracles Just watch and see what God can do Trust in his promises to you. If there's a mountain that won't move, just watch and see what God can do. What God can do. Oh let our song arise. Oh let our voices cry. He's the God. Just watch and see what What God God can can do.
1: Sure, how the mute button got turned on, but there we go. Now that's really loud. Our preacher's out of town, and so he's asked me to speak for him. Take your Bible, if you would, please, and open up to John, chapter three. Let's all stand in reverence and respect to the Word of God. Uh, today, I'd like to look. By the way, it's funny how God works. I've been—I've uh, known for a little while that I was going to preach, and I start praying immediately, just like our pastor does. What does God want me to preach? I wrote five messages last week. And every time I get done, you would go, that's good, but that ain't it. Okay, wow. That's good, but that ain't it. So hopefully this is it. <laughs> Amen. I believe this is what he wants. So uh, uh, i like to look at what I believe is the most unbelievable verse in the Bible. It's not, but it seems to be. Okay. It's not an unknown verse. Okay. It's probably the w- most well-known verse in the Bible, especially if you go to football games and see it all plastered at the end of the, by the goalposts, We talk about the second half of that verse more than the first half of the verse. I don't know if we don't believe the first half compared to the second half or because that topic isn't just preached enough about today. Um, Whatever the case may be, I believe if the world's problems would go away if we really believed the first half of John chapter 3 and verse 16. So let's do that. Let's take a look at John chapter 3, verse 16. If you haven't found it, just pretend that you have. And it says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, But have everlasting life. Most of you, probably when you got saved, one of the first verses you ever learned, memorized or hid in your heart. Like I said, it's not an unknown verse. I just believe the first half, it's not believed very well. What is that first half? Let's look at it again. For God so loved the world. I want to talk this morning on this. God loves you. God loves you, short, tall, wide, narrow, better way than saying fat or skinny, Uh, uh, doesn't matter what your skin tones are, he loves you, that's what we want to talk about this morning, Father we ask that you bless this message this morning, Holy Spirit I ask that you flow through me to your people and that those words which you want said are the words that are said, not words I think should be said, but that your will would be carried out in the hearts and the minds of your people. I ask that you'd strengthen our faith as a result of what we hear this morning. And Father, if there's someone here today that does not know for sure if they died right now, that they would go straight to heaven when they died, I ask that today would be the day they would receive you as Savior, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Let's get right into the message. Number one, God is love. That's the quickest I've ever gotten into a message ever. You guys didn't know what to do, did you? Uh, God is love. Before Jesus came to this earth, no one ever dreamt of saying these words, God loves me. You don't find that in the Old Testament. You don't find that. Some of the Old Testament verses refer to God loving man, but nothing says God loves me in the Old Testament. God does love you. God does love this world. The Old Testament speaks of God's love for the nation of Israel quite often. But when it comes to me and you personally, sinner, unsaved man, Gentile, which if you're not a Jew, that's what you be. You be Gentile amen, then the truth is, is that we don't hear that, we don't hear that, there are many gods in the Old Testament times, and I'm not talking about our God, I'm talking about other gods that are talked about in the Old Testament, religions if you will, none of them to my knowledge ever talk about the fact any God loves anyone, you have the God of lustfulness, you, there were gods, beautiful gods. They were idol gods. They were fighting gods. They were pot-bellied, bug-eyed stone gods. There's peaceful gods. There's a sun god. There's a moon god. There are star gods. There are bug gods, and so on, and so on, and so on. Just about anything you can come up with, they made a god after in the Old Testament time. But none of them ever says, I love you. Never. It's all about what they can get in service from you. Because it's not about the God. It's about the people who created the God, who made up the God, getting the profits from those under false religions and getting what they want. But God loves because God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. 1 John 4, 16 says this. And we have known... And believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Boy, how do you get any plainer to that? God Himself says, "God is love," in First John chapter four and verse number eight. He that uh, he that loveth not knoweth uh, not knoweth God, for God is love you cannot love outside of God's love marriages fail constantly because it's one sinner married to another sinner with no one in the between no God there no marriage can stand because if you do not have the love of God in that marriage then you know not God and you know not how to care for each other or truly love each other for there is no love outside of God's love it's a true statement. There is no love outside of God's love. We have lust. Right, right. We have you meet my needs. We have you make me feel good. You, got, you drive me up a wall. You drive me crazy. Yeah. But we have nothing that says love without the love of God. Because God is love. Once in our lives, we became a new creature by receiving this wonderful message that we sometimes seem to take for granted and unnoticed in our lives and almost forgotten how much that God loves us. we forget that. We forget that God loves us. Yeah, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven., Woo-hoo-hoo! but God's mad at me right now. Where did you get that from? You don't find that. God is love. God does not hate. God is balanced. He does hate. He never hates people. He does hate sin. But never the sinner. Because God is love. When we think about the fact that God is love, all misery can go away. All sorrow can disappear. All perplexities become simplicities. If we'll dwell in the fact that God is love. God's love for man, as stated in John three sixteen, is not a general love. This is what we look at: it. for God to so love the world. Oh, that's all the people in the world. And I love me personally, but that's not true. Uh, it's uh, when in John three sixteen, it's not just a general love like I love every Christian. God is saying, "I love all because I love each." Right. If you look and study the John three sixteen. What he's really saying to us here is, I love all because I love each. It's like saying, I love Central Park Baptist Church. Now, Central Park Baptist Church isn't this building. I'm appreciative of a building where we can come where it doesn't rain too much on the inside when it rains on the outside. <laughs> Amen. Where, where we have a chance to get warm when it's cold and cool when it's warm. Right. I appreciate that. but Central Park Baptist Church is not this building. That's Central right. Park is a Baptist church is you and I. Right. and when we say I love Central Park Baptist Church, we're saying we love you all because we love you each. Right. Yeah. Right. See right. 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 It's not that oh I love you and I love you, yeah. but you could go drop that and you c- no, 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 no. If I love Central Park Baptist Church, I love you all because I love you each. Because each of us make up Central Park Baptist Church. Without you, a part of Central Park is missing. Whenever you're not here and we meet together, something is missing. You are. You're a part of our body. I don't like walking around without a leg. I'm not good at it. I'd have to get a... I almost fell right there. Uh, (laughs) That's because I'm old. (laughs) I got to have my leg. I want my leg. Right. And when you don't come and you miss, no matter what the service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, a part of our body's missing. Did you ever have indigestion? It doesn't seem to go down well. Something's missing. Amen. Something's out of balance. And that's the way church is without you. Because God loves Central Park Baptist Church because he loves us each. And we're each important to him. And each important to each other. So when God says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he's saying he loves everybody that's here. But he loves them individually because he knows everything about us. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows your thoughts. He knows the intent of your heart. He knows how many hairs you have on your head and how many hairs you don't have on your head. (laughs) Amen? Some have a lot. Some are easy to count. Some are more difficult to count because you shave them off so tight that God has to look out there. But the truth is he loves you because he has all that information on each individual personally. So when he says, for God so loved the world, we are the world. It's not this earth. When God talks about the earth, he talks about the rock that we're on. And he does talk about the earth. But the world, whenever he uses the word world, he means the population on the earth. And that's you and me. So when God so loved the world, he's loving you and he's loving me. Have you ever thought when he says... uh, He has loved the world, that he is concerned for every incident that goes on in your life. Yet that's what it's saying. See, if I love somebody, I care about everything in their life. I don't just say, well, I care about, you know, well, you don't got a job too bad, tough. No, if you don't have a job, I want to pray for you to get the job that God wants you to have. Amen. Amen. If you don't have food on the table, I I want you to get food on your table. I'm concerned about you. Amen. God's concerned about us. He's concerned about every aspect of our life. Nothing is unimportant to him about us because he loves us. So if you ever feel like you're not loved, you're lying to yourself or the devil's lying to you because God loves you. And he knows you personally and every need that you have because God's love is so great, so marvelous, so wonderful. He loves us all because he loves us each. It's easy to say God loves me and God is love, but what can put it better than what it says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm going to read the whole verse though for you. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It didn't say who loved the world and gave Himself for the world. This is personal. Right. Just as John three sixteen is really personal. Yeah. He knew me. He knew my sin. He knew how wicked I am. How wicked I've been. How my sin has to be paid for, and I can't pay for it unless I die. And go to hell. That's the only way for me to pay for it. And he said, Doug Marco, I know you're garbage and trash and filth, but I love you. How can you love that? Mm. You ever seen a pig in in a waller? You ever seen it? They're not lovable. You don't want to go and jump into that waller and give it a big hug and kiss right on that slippery, slimy, stinky, snotty, nose-covered snout. That's what a pig's nose is like. Yet that was me. Mm. And that was you. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He came under this old, slimy, stinky, filthy, dirty, sin-cursed, sin-filled world specifically for my sin. I like putting it this way. If nobody else was a sinner except just you and me. Jesus would have done everything he did just for you and just for me. That's how much he loves me. I love the Galatians 2.20 because it makes it personal for me, more explicit for me. If we could just get people to believe this to be true, it would change everything. If I could, if you could just grasp this today, this morning, it would change your whole perspective on everything in your life. Amen. Because God loves you. Number two, God's love is unchangeable. God's love is unchangeable. Let me tell you a little story. A little boy, just a little fella, he loves to come to church. All day long he sings, "Jesus loves me, this I know." All the time he's singing, "Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me." The Bible tells me so, and he goes into his mama's kitchen and he's singing, "Jesus loves me, this I know." He starts opening up cupboard doors. Jesus starts pulling the stuff out of mama's cupboards. You know he's gonna play, he's gonna play kitchen. <laughs> he starts pulling food down and. Taking pots and pans out, and starts to play as boys do, and he's, and girls can do, and children do, and makes a mess out of the out of the kitchen, and he's singing "Jesus loves me." And around the corner, he hears his mama coming, and she's singing the same song because that's all she hears twenty four seven. "Jesus loves me," and comes around the corner and says, "What is going on, Johnny? What did you do?" How many times have I told you not to play in my cupboards? Then she says this statement. You know, Junior, God doesn't love you when you don't obey your mother like this. What a lie. That is a lie. Yet that is the lie Satan has been telling you almost all your life. When you act like that, God don't love you. Nanner nanner nanner. Mm-mm-mm. Yes, He does, and you can't stop Him. Amen. He loves me. It doesn't matter what I've done. He loves me. Amen. That's a lie straight out of hell, and we've taught that stuff to ourselves over and over and over and over again. And God does love me. God loves you. God loves me. God loves us. I, I, you say, I'm too poor, he can't love me. Yes, he can. I'm too dumb, he couldn't love me. If he could love me as dumb as I am, he could love you too, amen? Yes. None come much more dumber as a rock than I do. He, uh, I'm too full of sin, how could he love me? We're all full of sin. That's right. And he already knows that, so he loves you. Right. Everything is, I do is wrong, and God, if God loved me, then it wouldn't be that way. Untrue. Rich, poor, black, white, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, uh, 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 whatever nationality you may be, whatever color you may be, no matter how tall you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, no matter what you've done, God loves you. It does not change. It does not change. It does not change. His love is unchanging. He will love you no matter what. No matter what you do, where you go, what you say, God loves you. And we forget that. And we believe that lie that that mother had said. When you act that way, God don't love you. That's not true. God loves you unconditionally. I'm going to say that again. God loves you. God loves me unconditionally. All these years, the old devil, that old wicked one, that old serpent, That uh, that uh, that hellish, wicked, godless, god-hating, foolish devil has been feeding you and I the biggest lie the world has ever heard—that God doesn't love you when you act that way. Now there are times my mother said, "I'm not sure I love you because of the way you're acting." That I believe, but when it comes to God, His love is unconditional. His love is never ending. And we have it forever. You say, but you don't know what goes on in my life. You're right. I don't know what goes on in your life. And thank you, I don't want to know. And you don't know what goes on in my life. And thank you, you don't want to know. But I know this. God loves me no matter what. God loves you no matter what. And we miss that. We have allowed the devil to steal that away from our hearts. And to where we think, well, if I act this way or if I do this or if I, I, I'm just not really good at anything, how could God ever love me? Because God loves dingbats just like me and just like you. It doesn't matter who we are, where we've gone, what we've done. God loves you. In fact, say that with me. God loves me. God loves me. That doesn't sound like many adults in this building. Let's try this again. God loves me. I don't know. You're not saying it very convincingly. Say it again. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. I can't hear you. God loves me. You're in the Lord's army, right? I can't hear you. God loves me. God loves me. Do you know something? God loves me. And you should stand proud of the fact that you know that the almighty God, the creator of all heaven and all earth, loves you. And has all your hairs numbered. How many gray ones you got? How many black ones you got? How many in between ones you got? And how many just fell out this morning? He knows it all because he loves me. Number three, God's love is everlasting. Is that different? It is. God's love is everlasting. Number three, John chapter 13, verse number one. Turn there if you would, John 13, verse number one. This is a wonderful verse, and I think we miss this a lot. John chapter 13 and verse number one. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He loved them to the end. When's the end? There is no end. What? There is no end. God's everlasting, God's eternal. So his love is everlasting. His love is eternal. He loved them while he was here on this earth, no matter who they were. By the way, you know who was in this crowd right here at this time? Even though Judas was about to betray Jesus, Jesus still loved Judas. Yeah. He knew what was about to come up. He hasn't said anything to him yet. He's still in this crowd here in John chapter 13, starting with verse one. And he looked up at him, and in kinding love and kindness, in verse thirty-seven or 27, he says, what thou doest, do it thou quickly. That's yes. why so you don't have to deal with it very long. Just go do it. See, because those whom he loves, he loves us to the end. Mm-hmm. And since there is no end and he is everlasting, then he loves us with an everlasting love. See, he loved them till they were sinned, right? Isn't that what it says? I loved them till they sinned. No. That's not what it says. I know what it says. He loved them as long as they did what he told them to do. That is not what it says. I know. He loved them as long as they were obedient. Mama. No, that's not what it says. He loved them to the end. My end's not here yet. Your end isn't here yet. He's loving us to our end, which is eternal. When Peter denied Jesus three times, he didn't hate him. He never says in Scripture that, you know, that old Peter, he must have been redheaded, always jumping from one place to another, always jumping from ship to ship and shore to shore, always being a nut, and he just overreactive to everything. I hate him. He denied me. No, God never says that. He doesn't even call him a redhead. I don't even know what color his hair was. He may have been like Brother Yule and had none. You do know he was born in this condition, right? (laughs) No, he didn't hate him. He didn't stop loving him. He didn't cast him into hell for eternity because he denied him. He did not send a legion of angels to destroy him at the time in which he denied him the third time. No, he loved him. When Jesus arose from the dead, This is a very interesting scripture. Turn over to Mark chapter 16. Matthew, Mark 16. If you've gone to John, you're two books too far. If you went to Luke, you're still too far. Mark chapter 16. If you go to Luke 1, you went too far. Go back one page and you're in 16 of Mark. Mark 16 and verse number seven. <clears throat> the the ladies had just come Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of G- James and uh, and so on all came to check on Jesus because they didn't get a chance to take care of him correctly before they had to put him in the grave before Passover so they went back and they found out that he, there's nobody there he's raised from the dead and there's an angel there and here's what he says in verse 7 but go thy way and tell thy disciples notice these next two words and Peter. It doesn't say, and John. It doesn't say, and James. And Peter. And he that goeth before you unto Galilee, there shall you see him as he has said unto him. And here's, here's why I think it says this this is just my view, okay? My opinion. How would you feel if you, if you denied Jesus and you knew you did? And you heard that cock crow and immediately you felt, oh, man, what did I just do? He told me I was going to do this. Right. What an idiot. Right, right, right. And surely you would feel horrible. And I'm sure that he did as well. Uh-huh. And surely he's brokenhearted. He doesn't think maybe even God loves him anymore. Right. I could understand that. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what we've learned. That's not true. Right. From Satan, right. I did this and now God doesn't even love me anymore. So he wanted to make sure that Peter got the message. So he says, go tell my disciples and Peter. He wanted to make sure that Peter knew that he wasn't upset with them, that he loved him. Yeah. Yeah. And that he rose again from the dead for him as well. And what do we find out later on in another book of the Bible? Peter jumps up and he runs to the graveside, Right? Then the other disciple gets there before he does, and he stands outside waiting. In, but not impulsive, Peter. Boom! He goes right inside. Where's he at? Come on, where's? Where is? Listen, hey, hey, where? Hey, where did he go? He isn't here. He rose from the dead. Wow! And he sent a message to me. He must love me. He must love me. That is true. Why? Because he did love him. I think it's a marvelous thing that God puts that in there because it reminds us that his love for us is individual, personal, real, just to me, just to you. Peter had denied him three times, but God cared enough for him. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3. See, he loved them with an everlasting love. And at the day of Pentecost, by the way, did God use Peter? Yeah. What did he do? He stood up and preached. And what happened? 3,000 people got saved. That's pretty good. It took me a a whole summer with my kids, revival meetings one year, and we had 3,000 saved in in a summer of three months when we were preaching revivals all over the place, but we couldn't never in a day. Oh my goodness, what an amazing miracle in the hand of God that God used Peter for who had denied Jesus three times. I guess he did love him, huh? But it says in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse three, the Lord hath appeared unto me of old unto me saying, yea, I have loved thee with a everlasting love. Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Wow, what a statement. You say, Brother Markle, if God loved us with everlasting life or everlasting love, just like it says there, and the answer is yes, He does. He loves us with everlasting love. You say, Brother Markle,
0: but He hates sin. He hates
1: my sin. What am I supposed to do about that? Well, dear friend, the very word when angry, when it talks about angry in Scripture, about God being angry at sin, it's the strongest evidence of the expression of God's love. What? It's the strongest impression of God's love. Why? Because I don't want someone I love doing wrong. So I'm going to tell him, don't do that, that's wrong. Don't do that, that's going to hurt you. If I don't love you, I don't care. You want to jump off that bridge? I ain't got nothing attached. Jump. Here. I I don't have anything invested. But God's got something invested in you. His love. And so he warns us and he tells us how bad sin is. And then we get caught in that sin and God says, okay, come here. Let me help you get out of this. For there's no, there's no sin that's taken us, to, but that such that is common to man. No temptation taken us, but such that is common to man. Everybody does this. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: But with that, he gives us a way to escape.
0: Right, right.
1: When we get caught in that trap. Right. And that escape is through Jesus Christ because he paid for my sin debt, right. by the way. Suppose I had a son who lies and swears and cheats and steals and gets drunk all the time, who takes drugs, and if I had no love for him, if I did not love him, I would not care what he did. But because I do love him, it makes me angry to see that he lives that way. And that's the same one. Well, my parents, they spoil all my fun. That's their job. Because they love you. It's not fun. It is sin. It will destroy you. It will destroy your life. It will destroy everything about your life. So they love you. And because they love you, they tell you the truth. Because God loves me. Because God loves you. And because we are sinners and hang around with sinners, you end up to be what you hang around with. He gets angry with us when we sin because he loves us and he doesn't want us to have that issue in our life. In fact, it tells us that his love, he loves us in spite of our sin because God does hate sin. You say, where does it say that? I'm glad you asked. Romans, simplest verses you've ever seen. if you've ever heard, went through the Romans road, you've used this verse. Romans five and verse number eight, but God commendeth his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say while we were yet trying to get out of our sin, While we are trying to improve our life, while I was trying to look better, by the way, you can't get much better looking than this right here. Anyway, uh, while while I was trying to get better, while I was trying to change my life, it doesn't say that. While we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. He loves us in spite of our sin. While we're in our sin, he pays for our sin. He doesn't wait for us to get out of our sin. He says, I've got you, even in your sin. Because it goes on to say in verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved. Not might be saved, not could be saved, but shall be saved.
0: Amen, amen.
1: From wrath, that wrath being hell, through him, that's Jesus Christ. See, ladies and gentlemen, God loves us with an eternal love. You might not take that, you may not... Uh, Understand that love, but you don't have to understand that love. You just have to accept that love. My wife loves me. We've been married for, I don't know, almost 45 years. How she can still love me? (laughs) I wasn't sure how she loved me the first year. But she loves me. Sometimes she tells me, once every six, seven, eight years. Uh, uh, she, She tells me she loves me. And sometimes it's hard for me to believe. You ever feel that way? How can they love me when? Do you ever feel that way about you? Good. Yeah. But he does. And she does. She loves me. Now, it's understandable why I love her. And that's very simple, regardless of how she behaves. And believe me. Anyway, um, uh, it doesn't matter how she behaves. I love her. Amen. 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 And I'm shocked that she loves me. I just have to accept that love. I'm shocked that Jesus would love me, but he does. If you trample God's love under your feet by not taking his son's death, burial, and resurrection as your death, your burial, and your resurrection, if you trample that uh, that love of God under your feet and walk over his blood of the precious son of God and you go to hell, it won't be because God doesn't love you, but because you would not accept that love he has for you. And if you want to go through life with a bunch of problems and a bunch of heartaches, constantly saying to yourself, God doesn't love me, God doesn't love me, God doesn't love me, that's because you're trampling his love under your feet. And if you live that kind of life, it's your fault. It's your choice. But that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to understand that he loves you, and that's why he tells us this. I love what F.M. Lehman once wrote. Here's what he wrote. If I could, with ink, the ocean fill... And were the skies of parchment made. Were every stalk on earth a quill. And every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God. Above would drain the oceans dry. Nor could the scrolls contain the whole. Though stretch from sky to sky. O love of God. How great and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels' song. God loves you today. All of God's dealings with man from the fall of Adam until this present hour has been because he loves you and he loves me. When God called out and his voice rang through the Garden of Eden saying, Adam, where art thou? He was saying, Adam, come here. I love you. Mm -hmm. And since that time forward till now, it's all out of his great love. Out of his love, he made a way for us once again to reach God and save us through Jesus Christ's blood. And that love that we don't deserve. That is right and true. None of us deserve it, but God offers it to you and I anyway. I'm gonna finish with one verse, Revelation chapter one and verse number five. I suggest you might want to look at that. Revelation chapter one and verse number five. Revelation chapter one and verse five, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sin in his own blood. God loves you. God loves you. It doesn't say whom he washed, because they cleaned up their life. But unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He loves you. Christian, what are you doing with that love? Are you accepting it? Are you depending on it? Are you walking in it? Are you walking in the power of that love? Are you putting all your cares on him for he careth for you? Are you trying to figure it out yourself? You're trying to run this life as you think it ought to be run, thinking if I just do the right things, everything's going to fall in line. But that's not how it works. How it works is he says, I love you, receive my love, that I might lead you, and let me take you where you need to be. Because he loves you. Trust him. Laying all our cares upon him, That's what it says. For he careth for you. He loves you. If you don't know for sure, if you died right now, you'd go straight to heaven when you died. Then you don't know the love of God yet. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to even have a chance to go to hell. I don't want you to even feel, oh, there's some warmth down there. Neither does Jesus Christ. He loves you and he wants you to go to heaven. And if you're here this morning and if you closed your eyes in death, if you had a sudden heart attack in the pew you're in at this very moment, do you know for sure you go to heaven? If you don't, I can show you some promises from the word of God that you could trust to take you to heaven because it's God that takes us there, not me, not you, not Central Park Baptist Church, right,
0: right.
1: not a religion, not a religion, not a people, not a baptism, but Jesus. He paid my sin debt, and he paid yours too. And I'd be happy to show you from the word of God, not from Doug Marco, but straight from the Bible, how you could have God's promise at the very moment you drop dead, you go straight to heaven, be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. And I can show you that straight from the Bible. Father, I thank you for the truth that we've heard today. Father, it's so easy for us to get caught up in all the things of this world and we forget about how much you love us personally, individually, and how many wonderful things you've done for us because of that great love that you have for us. So please, Holy Spirit, do what I cannot do. Make this uh, message come alive in the hearts of your people in such a way that your name would be magnified and glorified in our lives. I ask, Holy Spirit, if there's someone here today that does not know for sure if they died, they'd go straight to heaven today. I ask that today would be the day that they'd receive you as Savior. I don't want them to go to hell. That's why I talked to them this morning about this subject. They don't want to go to hell. That's why they came. And Jesus, you died on the cross for them so that they'd never, ever have to go to hell. So please do what must be done in their hearts and their lives that they'd receive you as Savior. Father, this place is filled with Christians. And sometimes you love just fades in our minds and in our hearts for some reason. And the wicked, vile lies that the devil has said that you don't love us when we act this way invades our minds, invades our hearts, and invades our lives in such a way that we forget about your great power. Lord, I ask that you be with us as Christians this morning. And I ask that you touch our hearts, draw us closer to you. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closing. No one's looking around. How many say today, Brother Markle, uh, pray for me? I'm saved. I'm